Yeah, we have ground rules. And the ground rule says in public places, don't speak a word of Arabic. We speak to other in English. I'm Amjad. I'm an Arab-American. I'm proud of my Arabic ancestors, and I'm proud of being an American. My friend Amjad, who asks that we don't use his last name, has dual citizenship, American and Jordanian. I sat down with him a few weeks ago when we were at a conference in Boston. We had been talking about a news story showing this guy going ballistic in a New York City restaurant because employees were speaking Spanish. The clients at your staff is speaking Spanish to customers when they should be speaking Yeah, I saw that video. The guy threatened to call eyes on them just because they were speaking Spanish. Amjad said that's why his family never speaks Arabic in public. You know, Fernando, I was kind of heartbroken to hear him say that. After all, we report on the many positive things nudging America towards healthy bilingualism. Yet when Americans are afraid to speak their heritage languages in public... Not good. And that's our topic for this episode, which we're calling And Crown Thy Good with Brotherhood. Do we possess the brotherhood to welcome our fellow Americans speaking their native languages in public? Welcome to America the Bilingual. I'm Steve Levine. And I'm Fernando Hernandez. I knew that Amjad had had a successful career, but I didn't know his story. Yes, I, I came to the United States in 1983 to Chicago. I studied English as a second language at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And then I moved to Boston and started cleaning carpets with a Turkish guy for a year. Then I decided to start a carpet cleaning company on my own. Amjad bought a steam cleaning machine, a beat-up van, and started to have some success. At the age of 23, I decided to sell the company, which had about 30 employees then, uh, go to pharmacy school. That sounds like an American immigrant success story. Absolutely. I mean, I believe in the American dream. And tell me where you came from. Originally, I'm Palestinian. Uh, I was born in Jerusalem, uh, graduated, finished high school from Jerusalem, then came to the U.S. for... I lived in the U.S. for 22 years, and then went back to Jordan, and now I'm between Jordan and the U.S. Instead of selling his company for cash, Amjad financed it so he'd receive payments over time. So I cannot spend all the money all at once by buying a car or doing something crazy, which helped put me through school. Worked for CVS while I was in first year in pharmacy school. CVS, the drugstore chain. Chain, yes. So I started with CVS as a cashier, and I grew with them, and I worked with them after I graduated. And how many years did you work for CVS? Uh, Around 10 years altogether. And did you rise up in the ranks then? Yes, I did. I became an area manager for CVS. Then I decided to establish my own chain pharmacy. So tell me about that. You went back to Jordan to do that? Yeah, I went back to Jordan. It was a great experience. At the beginning, it was tough, you know, the language barrier, believe it or not. You know, going back, I spoke more English than I did Arabic. So even though Arabic is your native mother tongue, is that correct? 
Yes, but I was speaking uh, what they call Arabizi, so I would mix Arabic and English together. Arabizi, I didn't know that one. That's the uh, equivalent of uh, Spanglish or Chinglish. Exactly, and uh, and people sometimes are intimidated with Arabizi because they feel that it is a form of showing off. The fact that you that means you know English and that's showing off. And that's what people think it's showing off and they don't understand that sometimes you cannot find the right terminology to express what you want to say. When I first came to the U.S. I used to think in Arabic and translate whatever I think in Arabic to English. When I moved back to Jordan I was thinking in English and translating from English to Arabic. Arabizi, am I saying that right? Yes. Can you give me an example of say something in Arabic and then say it in Arabizi so I can sort of hear the difference? For example, some people say delete the file. They say in Arabic, delete the file. It's like delete the file. And in Arabic? In formal Arabic, it will be imhi al-file, which means delete the file. Amjad became a successful businessman. He married and he had a son, then two more children. Their first son seemed to be a bit unusual. So what age did you and your wife decide that he should be a lawyer? You know, at the age of four, he's a born lawyer. Since he could speak, he would argue about everything. And he would never take no for an answer. So it was always, yes, but. And this son had other surprises for his father. One came to light when his son was only nine years old in a barber shop in Jordan. My son came and said, I want to buy a video game from the store next door. He was nine then. And I said, sure. And I gave him some money to buy. I gave him 20 Jordanian dinars, which is equivalent to like $25. So the barber told one of the guys who work in the barber shop, go with him and tell him he's my relative. Okay. So my son went. He bought whatever he wanted to buy for 18 JDs instead of 20 and came to me and said, Dad, is this guy related to us? And I said, no. He said, why did he have to tell the store next door that he's related to us? I said, it's just a way to save money. And he said, is it worth it to lie to save two JDs? And I told him, no, it's not worth it to lie to save two JDs. Amjad's kids went mainly to U.S. schools. We've always had a home here in the U.S., so we were going back and forth. We're all American citizens, my wife, my kids. I'm um, grateful that my kids speak English with no accent. (laughs) I have an accent. I'm trying to work on it still. But he shouldn't be worried about that. An accent is the sound of bravery. That's what you and I believe, but not everyone agrees with us. Let's continue the story about Amjad's son. Yes, his Arabic was a bit poor, so he took a gap year after he finished his bachelor's degree, went back to Jordan and worked on his Arabic in his reading, uh, writing skills, and spoken Arabic because he realized that this will be of a great added benefit for his professional career. What a fine thing to do, as we reported in episode 17, from gap year to bridge year. I was a bit concerned because I thought that taking a gap year might take him off his goal to study law. He might be comfortable uh, and he could say that a bachelor degree only is enough. Amjad was worried that his son, the born lawyer, might give up on that dream. Amjad was in the U.S. during 9-11 and immediately stopped speaking Arabic in public. After 9-11, we felt 
we shouldn't for a period of time. There was the Islamophobia at that point. But after a few years had passed, Amjad felt the atmosphere lighten. People just became more tolerant, not try to judge people by the acts of a few handful of murderers. But then the skies turned dark again. Two years ago, we started feeling uncomfortable. So whenever we step into the plane coming into the U.S., we would speak only in English. At restaurants, we speak in English. In public places, we speak in English. We make sure that we don't say a word of Arabizi, so we will not you know, attract attention. But one day, a single word of Arabic did slip out. We were in Central Park and my kids wanted to rent bikes to go around the park, which is a beautiful thing to do. So my wife and I and the kids, we rented bikes and one of my kids, who was in a hurry to get going, said the word yalla, yalla means let's go in Arabic. And the guy who was renting the bikes said, you damn Arabs. And we had a shouting match with him. And what did you say? I said, I'm as American as you are, because I said a word in Arabic that does not make me less of an American. He said, you damn Arabs again. So my son stepped in. He was 22 then. So he wanted to get into a, a big argument with him. And I said, just leave him. Did you rent the bicycles from him? No, actually, we threw the bikes and we rented it from somebody else. That son who was arguing, was he the born lawyer by any chance? How did you guess? I asked Amjad about him. And this son who was arguing with you, what is the son doing now? My son is going to law school now, and he wants to specialize in human rights. Uh, he's going to Harvard Law School, isn't he? Yes, he is. The scene in Central Park, triggered by a single word of Arabic, confirmed for Amjad that the country had changed once again. I asked him when he sensed the change had happened. Actually, I could say it started two years ago. With the election of Donald Trump? Well, I think people became less tolerant. I'm just saying some people. And I think we became more afraid of being proud of who we are as uh, Arab Americans. Media played a big role. Some of the executive orders he signed played a big role. His administration played a big role. Watching Fox News played a big role. And uh, this is not what America is all about. Fernando, I was saddened to hear Amjad's story. My hopeful vision, as you know, is to walk into a restaurant in America and hear many different languages as you walk through, one family speaking Spanish, another Arabic, another Chinese. Yeah, and someone begins singing happy birthday and everyone joins in singing in English. You got it. But while Amjad's family might join in singing in English, they won't be sitting at their table chatting away in Arabic. It makes me remember the Navajo code talkers who as children were punished for speaking Navajo at school but then became indispensable to America's war in the Pacific using their Navajo codes the Japanese couldn't break. Many years later, they were decorated as heroes. And today, the Department of Defense sponsors summer language camps in a program called Star Talk for students studying what the DOD calls critical need foreign languages, including 
Arabic. You would think Americans are ready to move beyond this and embrace their fellow citizens who speak of all these beautiful languages. But you can go on Amazon right now and order a bumper sticker that says, Welcome to America, now speak English, with three exclamation points. And that's one of the polite bumper stickers. What about that favorite bumper sticker of language teachers? Monolingualism is the illiteracy of the 21st century. Uh, yeah, I couldn't find that one on Amazon. But you know, I get it. I remember feeling uncomfortable in an elevator once when all the people except me were speaking in German. I think the feeling goes back to some of our most primitive emotions. Are those people talking about me? Are they making fun of me? Are they going to do me harm? And there's the unity argument too, that English holds all Americans together with a common tongue. And you know what? I agree with that. I agree that all Americans should speak English and another language for all the many benefits that bilingualism confers to them and to our country. The problem is that some Americans feel today's immigrants don't want to learn English, that they don't care about complying to what was expected from prior generations of immigrants. I've heard my own family members and friends tell me that with the utmost conviction. That's what language professor Kim Patowski calls the grandparent myth. When I point out to my friends that the evidence shows otherwise, that the U.S. Census reports a record percentage of immigrants who speak English well or very well, I have a hard time convincing them. Facts are having a hard time these days. Kim Patowski says when people hear Americans speaking in other languages, they hear divided loyalties. How can they be a true American if they speak Danish too? Well, those Danes, you do have to watch out for them. I've got an idea that might get us out of this. You're going to laugh, but I think the answer lies in sports. Really? Let's hear it. So in Boston, we've got the Boston Red Sox, and in New York, we've got the New York Yankees, you know, baseball teams. Yeah, I know. They are rivals, kind of like Barcelona and Real Madrid, these massive football teams in Spain. Yeah, so anyway, Red Sox fans and Yankee fans like to dislike each other. It goes way back. But you know what? When America sends its baseball team to the Olympics, which we're going to do for the Olympics in Japan in 2020, it's Team USA. The fans will trade their Red Sox and Yankees hats for Team USA hats. Exactly. By the way, Mexico is going to take the gold in Japan. Not happening. But so in sports, we're not talking about divided loyalties, but multiple loyalties. You can be a Red Sox fan and an American baseball fan too. Everybody can get around that idea. So when Americans hear Spanish in a restaurant, they should think, oh, they cheer in Spanish, but also cheer in English, like all of us Americans. Could work, what do you think? Well, we gotta try something. I asked Amjad how he feels about reinstating his family ground rule of not speaking Arabic in public. It's sad because, you know, I think we should go beyond what native language is into who they are as people, as humans, and embrace languages and embrace different cultures. When I came to the U.S. in 1983, this is what America is all about. Amjad talked about his vision of America and our famed melting pot. 
you mentioned the melting pot, but when it comes to languages, the melting pot meant many cases, in most cases, to melt the heritage language out of you so that you speak English and only English. I think it shouldn't be the case because melting pot, in my opinion, means to think the same way regardless of the language spoken, have the same values, U.S. values, American values, respect, freedom, freedom of speech, the Constitution. And this can be translated into all languages. So it is the melting pot in terms of beliefs, not the melting pot in terms of the language spoken. The America the Bilingual podcast is part of the Lead with Languages campaign of ACTFUL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. By a sweet coincidence, Kim Patowski, who we mentioned in this episode, is a faculty member at the University of Illinois, Chicago, the very university when Amjad went in 1983 to take his English classes. How fitting is that? This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and our producer, Fernando Hernandez, who also does our sound design and mixing. Check out the rest of our cast at americathebilingual.com, including Becky Rankin, Carlos Plaza, Mim Harrison, and our barklingual pup, Chet. Our main musical theme is Quasi-Motion by Kevin McLeod under Creative Commons Attribution License. Financial support comes from the Levenger Foundation. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine.